This podcast series is based on a book called Beyond Reasonable Greed, Why Sustainable Business is a Much Better Idea by Wayne Visser and Clem Sumter, read by myself, Wayne Visser. Leofancy Like sycophants, leofants want to be all things to all people, sucking up to the shareholders when it suits them and rolling over for the greenies when circumstances demand. They've recognized that some of their lion traits are going to get them into trouble sooner or later and that elephants are beginning to gain favor in the world. As a result, they're just starting to test the water, introducing an environmental policy here, adopting a corporate governance code there, adding a few non-financial performance measures, setting up community forums. They're not yet bold enough to whip off their lion suits and dive right into the refreshing pool of sustainability. After all, there may be sharp objects lurking beneath the surface. Besides, other lions might laugh if they discovered that their roar is bigger than their, well, you know. Leofans feel a little schizophrenic. As a result of being caught between two worlds, their sensitive radar systems are picking up large grey blobs in the distance, but the growl of lions is much closer by and resonating in their ears. On the other hand, they hear the muffled cries of angry special interest groups. They hear the ticking of the share price, which is difficult to ignore. They feel their ears starting to flap, their nose beginning to droop, and their incisors about to protrude from their mouth, but they are a little embarrassed or scared to come out of the closet. Although they are aware of a few lone elephants in the desert, they've seen prides of lions take down some of these brave pioneers. Better just to hide out in the shadows, hedge the bets and play it safe. Becoming a leophant is not necessarily the easiest option. Like an adolescent tripping into puberty, leophant companies risk looking awkward and ungainly. Their management and staff feel that every decision is now riddled with paradox and uncertainty. Apart from this, if the economy, political scene and the financial markets are not shape-shifting at the same rate, there is always the danger of being heavily criticized by the Greek chorus of fund managers in the background. Hence, leophants often begin with small elephant-friendly actions, but cover them up by still growling loudly like one of the old macho pride. They feel an incessant compulsion to justify their every move towards sustainability by saying that there is a business case for it or that their actions are nothing more than good risk management. Picking up on our climate change example, it has been fascinating to watch how some of the founding members of the Global Climate Coalition, such as BP, Ford, Shell and Texaco, have since defected. Following this change of heart, first BP and then Shell committed themselves publicly to reducing greenhouse gases, pioneered internal emission trading systems, and upped their investments in renewable energy. Likewise, under its new chairman, Bill Ford, the family's motor manufacturing giant has suddenly become very vocal about its preparations for leadership in a post-fossil fuel-based economy. Leofancy is catching on. Much of the inspiration for it comes from those that are less cautious in their approach to sustainability issues, and that brings us to our final option. The Charge of the Heavy Brigade 
The final option for companies is to blaze a trail for the sustainable future by wholeheartedly and unashamedly joining the charge of the heavy brigade. Strength lies in numbers, and the greater the number of companies that make the switch from lions to elephants, the less they will be dismissed as mavericks. One lone elephant trumpeting in the bush is not enough. Moreover, the public will find it refreshing to have a growing constituency of corporate leaders driven by a sense of values, purpose and destiny. Their zealous mission will be to show that it is not only possible but essential to transform businesses into elephant-friendly forces in society as agents of change for good. It is not uncommon for CEOs pursuing the elephant option to have had some kind of revelation about how unsustainable the traditional business model really is. They suddenly get it. They realize that life is not so much about making money as making a difference. Then, instead of shouting about their conversion from the rooftops, they go quietly ahead and change their lifestyle accordingly. One of the first actions of the elephant pioneer is to shut up and start listening. They quickly establish various mechanisms for comprehensively surveying and understanding the complex needs of their numerous stakeholders. They also put in place a series of indicators to track their corporate performance in terms of these needs. However, as they begin to tune their senses to the incoming infrasonic messages, they realize that good communication is often not about the letter, but the spirit of what is being said in return. They also realize that dealing effectively with stakeholders only works if power is balanced and shared. It cannot work if shareholders' selfish demands always take precedence over community or environmental concerns. Nor should customers' willingness to consume a harmful product or service necessarily imply that it should be produced and sold. Elephants will find that they are constantly required to revise their preconceived notions about the way that businesses should be run and the valuable role that different stakeholder groups can play. At the moment, the herd of fellow elephant-oriented companies is still relatively small. They therefore find themselves often mingling with NGOs and activists. This network of passionate comrades are their source of inspiration and insider information. They give the company clues as to what issues are ticking time bombs and what products are hot prospects for a sustainable future. They act like a weather barometer, signalling how the mood of the sustainability debate is subtly shifting and what direction to head in to find sunshine and avoid the thunderstorms. Sometimes these activist groups sit on corporate advisory boards or perform review panels. Elephant companies soon discover that their advice, more often than not, has its root in a deep caring for people and the planet. Returning to our climate change examples, companies on the elephant trail actively support the phasing out of greenhouse gases and a shift to a hydrogen or solar economy, not overnight but over time. A case in point is OK Petroleum, Sweden's largest refiner and retailer of gasoline, who joined with 24 other companies to lobby the government to increase carbon taxes. This was partially due to the fact that OK had already shapeshifted far enough to design a low-carbon gasoline, but it was also because OK no longer sees itself as being in the petroleum business. It is a clean energy company of the future. 
inevitably the real elephant companies find themselves shifting their investments out of socially sensitive, environmentally damaging businesses into more sustainable sectors and technologies. Decisions We don't know which option you will choose or what decisions you will make as a result of listening to this audiobook, but we can certainly offer you some tips. If you're a CEO, the best thing you can probably do is go through the line of reasoning that we've followed in this chapter at your company's next strategic planning session. This time, however, you get some unusual stakeholders to join you who might offer different perspectives on the future rules of the environmental and social game. Not just the generic ones that apply to business in general, but the specific ones that apply to your industry. You don't stifle the debate or try to steer it in the direction of your own vision. You just let it run where it will. An alternative approach is to split your top management team into two or three small groups and ask each group to come up with their rules. It's amazing how different the results can be, leaving the CEO scratching his or her head that these people are in the same team, supposedly playing the same game. Add in one or two outsiders to each group and the results can be even more surprising when they are compared in the plenary session. The prime purpose, of course, of putting the executive team through this hoop is to get across to its Leo-leaning members that there are rules beyond their control. They will get shocked by an electric fence if they go too far. Even the Supreme CEO Jack Welsh singed his whiskers late in life when General Electric's bid to acquire Honeywell was blocked by the European Commission. There are always limits, and business can be unusual at the best and worst of times. As far as the key uncertainties are concerned, it is vital to emphasize that this is a blue-sky discussion, and no uncertainty can be too wild to consider. Back in 1986, HIV and AIDS was classified by a South African scenario team as a wild card that might affect the country's future, and yet it quickly became a primary rule of the game. In other words, a faint dot on the radar screen may emerge as the biggest threat. Scenarios function as a bridging mechanism between the external world you don't control and the internal one that you do. Their purpose is to synthesize all the information contained in the rules of the game and the key uncertainties into two or three simple stories that the mind can grasp when making a decision. Scenarios are the narrow part of the hourglass. Using this principle, one or two of the authors presented South Africans with a stark but easily understandable choice back in the 1980s. The high road of negotiation leading to a political settlement or the low road of confrontation leading to a civil war and a wasteland. As CEO, you want to present to your colleagues a set of clear-cut scenarios that differentiate between lion and elephant behavior and the consequences for the company. The discussion of options available to a company is where the bottom of the hourglass widens out again. It should be as blue sky as the conversation about uncertainties. If anybody says that such and such an option is far too wild, you can perfectly reasonably retort that it's just an option, with no commitment. Remember that options are not a wish list. Each one is a decision you can take and implement right now if you decide to select that option. Again, 
Outsiders are a valuable resource in broadening the terms of the debate. Lastly, you make decisions which we hope after all the arguments we have presented in this audio book will point you down the elephant trail. And just as you start down a hiking trail with the first step, don't be too ambitious to start with. The initial step taken by a company should be to establish a process which means that each subsequent step is chosen with a new philosophy in mind, that of being a sustainable business. Like elephants in the mist, you will never know in advance where the trail ultimately leads. Sometimes you will take wrong steps and you will have to reverse a direction to get back on the path again. On other occasions, a single step will take you round a corner where a breathtaking view awaits you. And when you look back over your shoulder, you will wonder how you managed to come so far. But if you take no steps at all, the future has a nasty habit of catching up with you. Multi-level shape-shifting revisited. So we're now at the conclusion of the audiobook. As the young would say, we've given it horns, or perhaps that should be tusks, in order to give a simple message. Our choices today will, to a large extent, shape our future landscape, whether it be oases in the desert or plains of the Serengeti. Nevertheless, it bears repeating that our own choices as company executives and individuals are undeniably influenced by the direction of choices being made at a political level. If the entire industrialized world takes its cue from the signals coming out of America, it will be very difficult for anything but the lion-oriented scenario to emerge. On the other hand, should a critical mass of powerful countries or regions take sustainability more seriously, the elephant-oriented future starts to look more likely. But it cannot be overemphasized enough that the United States, as the biggest animal in the park, has to join the herd eventually. The worst outcome would be for America to turn from being a lion into a rogue elephant, thereby continuing to put its own self-interest above everybody else, but with a little more guile. We live in one world, and the United States will never be a true winner if it is surrounded by resentful losers. Alas, there are plenty of the latter at the moment. Our climate change example may be useful just once more here. When George W. Bush was on the back of the American jumbo, he withdrew for purely selfish reasons from the Kyoto Protocol, that multilateral agreement that had taken the world 10 years to negotiate and which America had already signed but not ratified. Today it's the same with the climate protocol of the Paris Agreement. We may look back on this showdown as a crucial turning point in history if any one of the world's powerful nations had sided with the United States, the protocol would have collapsed and set us back 50 years on the path to sustainability. But the entire world took a stand against America and for the Kyoto Protocol and a more elephant-friendly future. As the title of our book suggests, we do not expect humankind to dispense entirely with its selfish side. We will always want some measure of success in material and spiritual terms for ourselves or our families. But when an individual, a family, a clan or a nation pursues its self-interest to the point of unreasonable greed, the whole system risks collapse. We all have heard of the American dream, the idea that anybody can become a somebody in the land of freedom and opportunity, 
That dream will end in tatters if it doesn't become more universally applicable to anybody anywhere in the world. Don't misunderstand us. America is not what is wrong with the world, but it can surely do better as the world's leading nation. To start with, it can help create a win-win environment. But governments can't do everything. Ordinary people also hold the fragile destiny of our globe in their hands. Every time a person fixes a leaking tap, plants a tree, buys organic produce or switches off the lights when going out for the evening, he or she is helping the human race to shapeshift towards ecological integrity. And each time someone campaigns against human rights abuses, buys fair trade goods or joins the neighborhood watch, he or she is taking us just that little bit closer to social harmony. Individuals do make a difference. Little things do count. We believe we are passing on a timeless message wrapped in an enduring symbol. After all, Rome's renowned natural historian Pliny wrote more than 2,000 years ago, elephants are receptive to love and renown and possess the virtues of honesty, consideration and justice to a higher degree than the majority of men. Now we find 20th Century Fox conveying essentially the same message in their blockbuster animated movie, The Ice Age. Only the film uses slightly different words. The story tells of the journey of Manfred, the woolly mammoth, and his furry companions, Sid the sloth, Scrat, the saber-toothed squirrel, and Diego, the saber-toothed tiger, during the great pre-freeze migration. While Diego is secretly leading Manfred into an ambush where his fellow predators lie hungrily in wait, Manfred ends up saving Diego's life. Dumbfounded, Diego asks why he would do such an unselfish thing. That's what you do in a herd, replies the surprised Manfred. Then, right at the end of the movie, Diego has the opportunity to return the favor by saving Manfred's life implying that he has managed to shapeshift beyond his selfish predatory instincts and adopt the more caring nature of an elephant. He shrugs off Manfred's gratitude by repeating back to him his own words of wisdom. That's what you do in a herd. In a similar vein, we hope that we have persuaded some of you to do the honourable thing and to trade in your fangs for tusks.